Hello and welcome to Hyatt Report and this is your host Omar Hyatt. So today I want to talk about my heritage and the country where my parents come from and some of the issues that that country is facing today and how people of my faith are being marginalized and being persecuted. So before I get into that, I'll start by saying I have always had this love-hate relationship with my heritage. On one side, I loved my ancestry for things like food, culture, history, and on the other side, I hated the fact that people who had the same heritage or background as mine, not always, but often, or at least in my personal experience, tend to be nosy, gossipy, materialistic, and very set in their ways. Now, this, just a disclaimer, this could be, it could be that the people I came across were like that. And for sure, not everybody who has the same heritage as mine are like that. But this has been my personal experience. And that's what I'm talking about. And I'm not trying to generalize. And I do not believe that everybody who has the same heritage as mine are nosy or gossipy or materialistic. It's just that the people I came across were like this. And because of this, very early on in my life, I subconsciously developed preconceived notions about people who looked like me but had an accent. Um, when I think about it now, retrospectively, as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. I think for the longest time, I subconsciously refrained from getting too close to or befriend people from the subcontinent. And of course, my parents had Indian heritage, but to me, it was not their defining feature. They were just my parents who spoke with an accent and had materialistic tendencies to some extent. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, honestly, I do not, I'm not lying when I say they had materialistic ten- tendencies. Um, for example, <laughs> for example, um, they would always be chasing um, things like new car, or they would always be looking at new properties. Um, and they would always... Um, wanted so they they always wanted to make sure that if something goes wrong or let's say if one of them become unemployed or both of them become unemployed um then they should have enough savings in their bank account that they would be able to look after us i think it was it was cute but then at times it just came across as being too materialistic anyway god i love them um yeah, I just don't want people to think that they're like these shrewd materialistic people. I mean, they they had their own, they had their days. Um, <laughs> however, lately I've been reading up and researching the persecution faced by people like my parents and grandparents in their countries for simply being who they were and the faith they subscribed to. The persecution appears to continue even today. Every other day on Twitter, one sees videos from India where a Muslim man is lynched or beaten for simply being Muslim. Um, there were instances when Muslims, or there, there have been instances in India where Muslim men have been lynched purely on the suspicion that they were consuming beef. It was as 
petty is that? And then guess what? When um, the law enforcement agencies in India um, went about investigating such cases, they actually tested the meat to see if that was indeed beef, as if eating beef would um, w- would qualify or would be a ground for someone's death. Like, I just don't get it. Um, but that's like, it has been an emerging trend in India where people, especially Muslims, are being targeted in the name of beef um, because cows are holy creatures to the majority community in India. Anyway, that's a whole different topic. Um, there are also open calls being made in India on a regular basis by right-wing nationalists for businesses owned by Muslims, Muslim tradesmen, Muslim craftsmen to be boycotted. And needless to say, this is heartbreaking. Um, just the other day on Twitter, I saw a video where these um, hyper-nationalist um, were chanting death to Muslims in in India's capital. Um, and the video was widely circulated on social media platforms. There was an outcry. I think some of those people have been arrested. Um, yeah, it's just a nightmare. And this is not a um, this is not a rare occurrence um, in India. Um, this, since 2014, since the election of um, Modi as the Prime Minister of India, who belongs to a right-wing um, nationalist party, um, the hate crimes against Muslims and in, in India have only risen. And this is this is the ground reality now. A, a lot of Muslims fa- face um, these these type of um, atrocities on a regular basis in India these days. And amidst this sad reality of India going from being the world's largest democracy to an oppressive state, oppressive state, um, in my opinion, there is a there is a ray of hope, um, which is of course, India's Muslims on social media platforms. And the reason I believe that is because the current generation of Indian Muslims who have access to social media aren't just educated, but are also very articulate. Um, They're very tech-savvy and in many ways have the skills to counter the Islamophobia machinery that seeks to threaten their very existence. And in the last couple of months, I have had the opportunity to interact with some of these people. And I must admit, I was a bit nervous at first to interact with um, with these people because I did not necessarily have an in-depth understanding of Indian or, for that matter, subcontinent's um, political landscape. Um, However, it would be an understatement to say that these people were more than welcoming and gracious to me. They were, honestly, they were they they are some of the best people I have ever met in my life. Um, they're so polite. Um, they're very open to difficult conversations. Um, if I ask tough questions, they 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 are very happy to answer those questions. And if they don't know, they will say they don't know, and they will point me in the right direction. Um, so I have learned a lot from these people in the last couple of months, and I just want to give them a shout out. 
Um, and I am still learning about um, India's current political landscape. So when I started my interactions um, with these people, um, Indian Muslims on social media platforms, um, I kept an open mind. I wanted to learn more about the people of a country that my parents came from, where my ancestors lived. I wanted to understand how these people feel and think about their current political climate, where their peers from the majority community demonize them on a recurring basis. And through these interactions, I learned that these people, um, by these people I mean Indian Muslims, um, want nothing more than to live in peace and harmony in their own country. They're not demanding or seeking anything that isn't already granted to them by the Indian constitution in theory. All they want is that these rights, which are guaranteed to them by their country's constitution, to translate into ground reality, whereby they can focus on real issues of education, jobs and careers, rather than justify their existence every single day. And interestingly, one of the byproducts of these interactions is that I have more empathy for my folks now. Now I understand why at times they might have come across as materialistic. Now I appreciate the fact that they come from a country where they might have been subjected to these microaggressions. And when you have lived or live in a society where you have to substantiate your very existence on a regular basis, I believe tangible materialistic things become important to you as these as these give you give you a, a sense of purpose, a sense of achievement. Um, and and without going on a on a tangent, I would say this: the last two months have been an eye opening uh, eye opening experience for me personally. I learned that sometimes when we talk about persecution, we think of countries ruled by dictators. But in reality, that is not always the case. In reality, people are being persecuted across the globe, including in the so-called democracies. Um, For instance, I just uh, posted this on Twitter, right? Um, So... India is is the world like it is known um, that India is the world's largest democracy, um, but little do people know that since um, India's independence in 1947, there have been countless incidents of violence against Muslims, organized campaigns against Muslims. For example, in 1948, um, Muslims were targeted and attacked um, in a state called Hyderabad, which is now a city. Um, In in 1969, Muslims were attacked um, in Gujarat. In 1980, Muslims were attacked in Muradabad. In 1983, um, Muslims were attacked in Nelly. And um, all these cities, all these states that I'm telling you are in India. And in 1985... Muslims were again attacked and um, uh, subjected to um, these atrocities in Gujarat. In 1987, Muslims were targeted in um, Hashimpura. And in 1989, 
Muslims were attacked in Pagalpur. Um, in 1992, Muslims were targeted in Bombay. Um, in 1993, Muslims were targeted in Pangal. In 2002, Muslims were targeted in Gujarat. In 2006, Muslims were got, uh, targeted in Malagao. Um, in 2013, Muslims were targeted in Muzaffarnagar. Um, in 2014, Muslims were targeted in Assam. Um, in 2020, 2020, which is just last year, Muslims were targeted in India's capital Delhi. So that's what I want. I want to point out. Like a lot of the times when we think about persecution, we think about countries with dictators. But this is happening in world's arguably world's largest democracy, a secular democracy. And the deg- so this is what I would say, right? The degree of state-sanctioned persecution may vary, but nevertheless, any persecution that is overlooked or is actively promoted by a state is reprehensible. It should be condemned by one and by all. Therefore, it is my personal view now that those of us who live in the civilized world and if have the time, platforms, influence, no matter the reach, you could only have like two followers or zero followers. If you do have a platform, I I believe that you must amplify voices of the persecuted and the marginalized, because as Edmund Burke once said, all that is required for evil to triumph. Is for good men to do nothing, and I do not want to be one of those people who do nothing. I want people to peacefully put out these voices that are coming from India about their persecution. I want these voices to be amplified, and I am going to do just the same peacefully.